Wellness Force Radio. Welcome back for another episode. I am glad you're here. I'm your host and digital health coach, Josh Trent. And if you're here for the very first time, Wellness Force Radio is where I bring you the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They empower us with their knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. Today's show is sponsored in part by wellnessforce.com, where at wellnessforce.com, you can see if digital health coaching is the right fit for you and learn how to change old habits with new technology. Now, today's show is so raw and so real. I have never had on my girlfriend on the show. To be honest with you guys, I've never had any girl on the show that I've been dating. So it's really, really an eye-opening and heart-opening episode where Amy and I are going to go deep into how relationship can actually be something that catalyzes greater wellness in your life. We'll also dive into tips and strategies that we can all take action on this holiday season. Holidays are dangerous. It's a time where you're around relatives and family and new stressors and financial and time commitments. That can all lead to some pretty deleterious choices. And so on today's show, we'll give actionable strategies on what you can do to essentially not get fat this holiday season. So without any further waiting, let's bring on Amy Dalton. Amy is my girlfriend. She's also a TEDx speaker, a mentor to young girls with her past in addiction and eating disorders. She is no stranger to doing the work. And as the person who introduced me to transformation and different leadership and personal development, I'm proud to say that Amy has been a catalyst for me in my wellness journey. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. This is a double header for both of us because today we're going to talk about holiday weight gain and trigger action plans, what to do when you're stressed out with your family, when things come up for the holidays that really mess us up and make us eat bad foods. How do we avoid that? How do we do something else? What do the holidays represent to you? Like when you think holidays, what comes up for you? What comes up for you spending time with the family and things like that? Getting fat, pretty much. Oh. Yeah. Maybe people can relate. So what do you mean getting fat? I mean, what about the holidays makes people fat? Well, um, God, I can certainly relate to having a lot of stress and family issues that make me want to eat. For my family, it means a lot of sugary foods, candy, unnecessary chocolates, and emotional breakdowns, which lead me to eat all of those things, which I can't seem to control once I start eating them and put them in my body. Mm. And I can relate too, because one of the things about being in a relationship with you, we're going to talk about this today, relationships, what it's like to be with somebody who's committed to transformation, what it's like to be in a relationship where you're really pushing each other to that uncomfortable edge that makes you a better human being. And the holiday weight gain thing is associated with that because you and I have both had struggles. I mean, I was at one point in my life, 280 pounds when I was 21 years old. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your story so they can understand you? Because I know, trust and love you, but they don't know you yet. So I have been overweight most of my life. I believe I was two when uh, we went to the doctor and the doctor told my mom that I was going to have to watch my weight and be on a diet because I was already off the charts and it's been kind of a struggle ever since. And I have been 99 pounds. I've been 250 pounds and kind of leveled off with somewhat of a healthier lifestyle at around 130. And I continue to struggle with just emotional eating. I mean, that's kind of been my comfort my whole life and that was how I coped. And so even though I have put the days of eating bagels and cream cheese and 
not moving behind me, there are still many, many moments where all I want to do is just eat a cupcake and numb out. <laughs> and you said keyword numb out because you and I all the time at our house, we're always talking about like exploring our emotions, like feeling what we're feeling, having this permission to actually feel what's in our chest or feel what's in our bodies. Can you talk a little bit about your experience in your own life and what you've given me? You've gleaned so much knowledge to me in our relationship about feeling emotions. What happens when we use food? And we check out by eating a cupcake or going that path of least resistance. Like what prices are paid in that situation? Yeah. So what happens is that for that moment, you don't get to feel whatever it is that you're avoiding. So when I want to binge on a gallon of ice cream because I'm sad about something, while I'm eating that ice cream, I am kind of just enjoying that ice cream. And that sadness is temporarily kind of just pushed to the side. But unfortunately, uh, it doesn't really go anywhere. It just kind of gets stuffed down with the ice cream. And then I go into a cycle of just hating myself and going, oh my God, I'm going to get fat again. It's like the ultimate shame spiral. Yes. Which is actually, I learned a way for me to check out as well, because it's easier for me to go, oh God, I'm going to get fat than it is to go, wow, I'm really sad right now, or I'm really scared right now. So uh, the food and the obsession about getting fat or being fat or being skinny are all ways in which I don't let myself feel. And let's talk a little bit about when we first met. I, Amy and I used to hike a ton when we first met and little did I know she was eating like 1200 calories a day. 1400 calories a day, eating frozen yogurt, tracking her MyFitnessPal and all these crazy things that I think we've all done at some point. People like her and I and anyone listening that struggled with neuroses, you know, taking everything that we're doing and thinking, if I just track things perfectly, then I'll lose my weight. If I just do enough calories out, then I'll lose my weight. If I just perfectly track all the calories coming in, then I'll lose my weight. But it's not anywhere further from the truth because that over compulsion of constantly tracking and not really having any meaning behind the tracking. Can you talk a little bit about what that meant for you? I mean, what was it like in your life before we started to date? Like what were you going through when you were doing this compulsive tracking? Right. So it's having an eating disorder and it's really just the disease of addiction. And I've had it my whole life and it's taken all sorts of forms from food to drugs to alcohol. And in sobriety, right before I met you, I had finally gotten my, you know, weight under control or so I thought, you know, I'm 130 pounds. I feel like I look good. And I was eating semi healthy in my book, you know, which means that I wasn't eating a bunch of junk, you know, low fat frozen yogurt made out of chemicals and chocolate bars, but it was all just control. It was just another form of control. And even though I looked like I didn't necessarily have an eating disorder on the outside, everything was about the tracking and have I exercised enough? And, oh God, I missed the workout. And I hope that I have enough calories left to eat my frozen yogurt tonight. And, oh crap, now I've eaten two frozen yogurts. And changing my steps and the amount of exercise that I did in my fitness pal essentially lying to myself to be able to justify eating more calories. It's pretty sick and twisted, but it's just another way of trying to gain control in a world where we don't have control. So when I met you, I thought I was pretty healthy and you (laughs) kind of, you know, rained on my parade at letting me know that, you know, while I was very thin, 1200 calories wasn't necessarily 
the best amount for me to be eating on a nutritional, like lifestyle, long-term healthy picture. And that I didn't really have any muscles and that I wasn't eating very much real food. And I was just baffled by that. And, you know, just to get a little bit deeper, you actually were a pivotal person in my life because you told me, hey, well, you know, why don't we get DEXA scans, which is that thing where it tells you exactly how much fat and muscle you have. And thank God I did because mm. I've never broken a bone and I've never been in any pain. And I thought that I looked pretty good for uh, my weight comparatively to my past. But uh, actually, it turns out that I have early stages of osteoporosis because my bones are so thin from all the drugs and, and alcohol and eating issues I've had growing up. Um, in my life and that it was pivotal that I stopped going to boot camps and being skinny fat and started doing some like weightlifting. And it's so powerful that you're saying it to everyone because mm -hmm. I guarantee you there's people out there that are going through exactly what you've gone through, or maybe they're not even aware that they're going through it, but they are in it right now. They're tracking calories compulsively. They feel bad every day. They don't know why they feel bad, but they do. Let's jump into some action plans here, some trigger action plans, because wouldn't it have been beautiful if before you were with me that they were just in place, things that we can do tangibly when these negative emotions come up, when these negative societal cues come up, an actual plan for us to not go into the negative habits, for us to not entertain the deleterious behaviors, for us to not go down that path. I learned about these trigger action plans for the first time at the Self Spark event earlier this year, and it was Julia Galiff from the Center of Applied Rationality. She talked about using trigger action plans to facilitate change. So a trigger action plan is essentially something that comes up that's a cue. There's a lot of work out there about Charles Duhigg and the habit reformation cycle where you have something that comes up. Let's say you're a busy, stressed out mom or you have a ton of things going on for the holidays. You're not sure how you're going to buy all the presents for everyone. You're not sure how you're going to fill all the work responsibilities and do everything to make the family run correctly. That creates a lot of stress. And typically when people aren't aware of trigger action plans, stress will come up and they'll try to do something to alleviate the stress. Now, you and I, Amy, both know that in our lives previously, there's been times where we just don't want to feel something because it's just too difficult to feel. Maybe for the holidays, it's around being in the company of different relatives that you don't enjoy and they stress you out. Well, a great way to check out from that experience is to eat food that you know isn't going to propel you towards your health goals. So these trigger action plans that Julia talks about is this. You first are proactive. You think about, all right, I'm going into a situation with relatives that I know I'm not going to get along with. I already know that I'm going to be more sympathetically driven in my nervous system then. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take five minutes before I walk into that room with my relatives and I'm going to breathe in a room by myself. I'm going to have some box breathing that I do. I'm going to have my meditation that I do through my app and I'm going to prepare myself for what happens when I go into that room. Now the action the action is going to be when the stress comes up, I'm going to do the same thing that I did before I prepared. I'm going to go into the next room. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to see the cookies on the table. And when I see the cookies, the action step that I take is that I immediately go get some water with stevia in it or something around those lines. So everyone is going to have a different trigger action plan. But the thing is, is that you have to execute on the plan. Right. So thinking about what you and I are going to do for the holidays, we're going to be going up to the mountains. It's going to be cold. I'm already feeling like trigger action plans in that state are going to be around sweets. So how have you dealt with sweet cravings in your life? What's come up for you around this and what's been your trigger action plan for sweets? 
Well, first of all, I think this trigger action plan is very funny because I don't know if I've ever followed this trigger action plan, and I hope someday that I will. But um, what I know that I have learned over many, many family holidays of failing miserably and feeling like a fat cow the next day. What was the worst uh, family failure? Oh, God. I guess it was when I went home for Christmas without you that one time, and I just was texting you like, they have peanut brittle, and they Uh have cake and I just can't stop eating it. And I'm eating it. Bag of peppermint bark. Yes. Oh, peppermint bark is the devil. So my action plan would be to be in real surrender to the fact that if I don't have any healthy choices and I don't prepare ahead of time, I am screwed. The willpower to resist really, really sweet, amazing, delicious food that's going to make me feel terrible the next day is going to be very easy for me to pick up and eat, even if I don't want to, if I haven't prepared something like delicious and healthy to bring with me. And I've made that mistake a lot in the past of just being like, well, I'm just going to, you know, my health is important to me, so I'm just going to not make that choice. But uh, so I think that really preparing ahead, like this was the first time on Thanksgiving where I feel like we didn't overeat. In the past, you and I both, you two, have been such Mm -hmm. fall victim to like uh, whipped cream, and then we're eating cookies, and then we're eating candy, and then we've eaten three pieces of pie. Or the next day there might be excessive exercise, and those things can prop up the house of cards for a while, right? but it's not sustainable. So what do you you feel like was different this year about Thanksgiving? How do you feel like we prepared differently? Well, we brought our own stuff. I bought I bought the ingredients for a delicious salad. I made a dessert, which actually ended up being awesome. Gluten-free, like, dairy-free. Yeah, that was, it was like awesome. the best yeah. thing I've ever made, you said. And we just ate that. And then we left it there. We didn't bring home leftovers. And I felt amazing the next day. Yeah, it was the first Thanksgiving that I really practiced what I preached. Yeah. And it felt amazing. And so there was some deep integrity there. It was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that going to Mammoth, I'm going to plan on not bringing a lot of junk foods because if it's not there, it's so much easier to not eat. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Amy, this is cool. Why don't we talk about the actual tangible steps? So there's seven things that I've planned for the show. We talked about a lot of holiday energy exchange. Let's actually get to some strategy here. So trigger action plans, something that comes up, an event, a stress, whatever it might be. There's a lot of them this holiday season. So how we're going to circumvent and how we're going to institute these trigger action plans. Number one, work out right before you eat. From a biological perspective, when you work out, your body's going to release more endorphins, more serotonin. You're not going to be primed to eat unhealthy foods. You're going to feel better about your body and better about your life. Your interactions are going to be healthier too. So tip number one, work out right before you eat. Absolutely. I found that going for a workout in the morning just kind of clears my head and makes like, okay, we're going into a family event, but at least I've taken care of myself. Yeah. It's this practicing yeah. the self-love piece, right? right? So you don't hate yourself later. Tip right. number two is before you go, Eat a primer meal. So primer meal meaning, you know, like on a lawnmower, you pump it and you prime it before it gets going. That's exactly what you're going to do for your body. When you eat this small priming meal, make sure that it's a large portion of protein, a large portion of fat, maybe even throw some vegetables. If you need some simple carbohydrates after your workout, eat that too. But what's really powerful about this priming meal is your body's going to receive those satiety mechanism elements. You're going to get that leptin release. You're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to have worked out. You're going to have eaten before you get to this event where there's going to be the stressors, where there's going to be the things that come up. Right. Absolutely. And I think that was a huge one that was different for us this time, because I always had the mentality of like, no, you don't actually eat anything all day 
because then you can enjoy this gigantic meal, except that you're starving and you're delusional <laughs> and you end up eating horrible, horrible things and making horrible choices. So. You're like, oh, I'm, your, your brain says, well, you know, if I don't eat all day, then I can have two extra pieces of cherry pie. Yes, you become crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to a whole different talk. Right. Tip number three, grab a smaller plate. Plates have grown 50%. I've watched documentaries about this where we talk about serving sizes in America. The original Coca-Cola was an eight ounce bottle of Coca-Cola, which Coca-Cola is the devil in my opinion, but eight ounce size of soda, right? So now the typical size is 12 to 16 ounces. They've doubled. Same thing with our plates. When you have a smaller plate, you are going to have less macros. You are going to be able to say, I've had a full plate of food, but guess what? That plate, it's half the size. Okay. Tip number four for not getting weight on the holidays is load up on lean meats and veggies. Adding on a drizzle of olive oil, I would suggest, or avocado, some kind of healthy fat source. Here's what's going to happen. When you eat higher amounts of protein, when you eat more vegetables, you're going to have higher protein, higher fiber. You're going to feel full. Your stomach sends a message to your brain. It's called leptin. And that message says, hey, buddy, I'm full. Now, when you're feeling full, you're less likely to eat that second piece of cherry pie. So make sure you load up on lean meats and veggies. Tip number five, Take a breathing break. Take some breaths. Maybe push yourself away from the table. Engage in a conversation with somebody you care about. But honestly, just pausing for a moment. That leptin response we talked about, it takes 15 minutes. And I don't know about you guys, but I can power down a lot of food in 15 minutes if I'm not being mindful. So make sure that you're taking a break, a breathing break to give yourself an interruption from just shoveling food. That's so true. And I I couldn't agree more with that. I know for myself, I have always been a fast eater, like five minutes, 15. Heck, that would be a long time. Five minutes, I am done. And what's happened in the past without taking a break or going to the bathroom and just kind of like breathing, I'm waiting for everyone else to finish. My mom happens to be an extremely slow eater. And in the meantime, I've eaten three servings more than I really needed just because I didn't allow myself that break. I know that my eyes are bigger than my stomach and I oftentimes can consume a lot more than I really needed to. And having a break is like so crucial. Mm, Taking a breath break. Number six, be proactive and be aware of the haters, including the ones that you love and care about. Now, this is an interesting point because there's been a lot of times throughout my health journey, especially when I was first beginning, that when I started to change my habits, when I started to change my behaviors, the people that were around me were actually a construct of the unhealthy behaviors that I didn't want to do. They kind of helped me do those unhealthy behaviors. So when I started to have new behaviors, these people would make comments like, why don't you have just a bite? Or why don't you have just one? Or let's go to the bar. Or you know what? It's too hot outside to run. You have to be wary of these people that love you, and they really do. They love you. But what happens is, is when we start to make healthier choices about our own lives, about our own bodies, and they start to see, the people that care about us, start to see the progress we're making, it reminds them that they're not making that progress and that they're not making those choices. And it's human behavior 101 that when you're watching change occur for someone else, there's a feeling of jealousy that comes up and people ask themselves, well, I don't want to make those choices and those choices are pretty uncomfortable for me. So I'm just going to hate on the person in my family that I say that I love. And it's like that at the dinner table for Thanksgiving or Christmas and holidays. It's rampant. I think that was a huge issue for me for many years was feeling guilty. My mom would say, you know, oh, come on, Amy, you're going to be like that. You're going to be that person. And I made, you know, this amazing 
bread and this amazing pie. And you're not just going to have a little piece. And I would be like, oh God. And then I would end up having a little piece, which was never just a little piece. And then it'd be two pieces. And it's very difficult to maintain your own integrity within yourself and honor yourself and choose yourself, especially around those people that um, are closest to you. Now, how do we do this though? I mean, it's obvious that if we're going to be proactive, we're going to have to have some conversations beforehand. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're currently working on a health goal and you're serious about your health goal and you're committed to that, the best thing to do is going to be to be proactive, call your grandma, call your grandpa, call your sister, you know, wherever you're going and just let them know, Hey, this year, I know that you're making the triple chocolate espresso brownie fudge cake, but this year, can you make me something on the side? Yes. Cause then you're going to empower them. You're going to let them know, Oh, this person cared enough to call me and tell me and share with me. They're not going to hate on you at that point. And who knows? They may even might, they may even make you some beautiful gluten-free treat. that's not going to spike your blood sugar as much. Right. Or you can just bring your own thing, bring enough to share and say, you know what? I'm not going to be a burden to anybody, but I'm just going to bring healthy choices for myself. So it's really, it's really just being willing to have that conversation, right? Right. And if we don't have the conversation and the haters come up, well, we're going to have to put on our hater blockers. Right. You got to have those (laughs) boundaries, especially with your family. Tip number seven is take a big walk. If you don't walk, your body is stagnant. And when you're stagnant, you have lack of blood flow. Your digestion is not going to be as efficient. You're going to kind of mentally check out, which could lead to more food grazing. Huge tip here. Amy, I know you're the most passionate walker I know. It's interesting (laughs) because we're going to talk about digital health next. You are the one that introduced me to digital health. You bought your Fitbit. I can specifically remember hating on you. I was one of those Mm -hmm. haters that hated on your Fitbit, but then I found the joy of walking again. Why are you so passionate about walking? What is this, what is this walking fascination? Oh, I love walking. I feel like it's the only exercise my entire life that I have tricked myself into believing is not an exercise. I think it's just, you know, I love the sun. I love nature. I love animals. And so I have always associated, exercise and walking with just pure joy. And I I love walking with friends because it's like you get two things done at once. You get caught up on the drama and you get to walk in the wilderness and burn some calories. So I love walking. Walking is fun. I get the most out of walking for my thought processes and creating things. I can't tell you how many times I've been walking around and I'll think of some cool idea, way better than the shower. Everybody's like, you think of the best ideas in the shower. And I'm thinking, actually, it's really when I go for a walk. It's Mm -hmm. that nice break where my brain gets to just think about what it wants to think about instead of being distracted by all the things that are tugging it throughout the day. And the other piece I just would like to add in, if you can't walk, during your holidays with your family because you're on the East Coast or something and it's a torrential snowstorm, then I would suggest, I know I have in the past, gone and done the dishes or just kind of moved myself out of the area, say I'm going to go make the coffee or I'm going to go help with the dessert, just to kind of take myself away from the table and stand up, help with dishes. It is nice and it's a good gesture. And at least you're up and moving and doing something besides sitting around. Mm, good point. I'm usually the one in the next room that asks as someone's wiping the last cup, uh, can I help with that? And then the dishes are done. <laughs> I know. Well, we talked about the seven tips and I think for me in my life, these have been the most powerful. These are the ones that make the most difference. Work out before you eat, eat that primer meal, grab the smaller plate, use the salad plate as your main plate, load up on meats and veggies, take that breathing break, be proactive and aware of the haters, including the ones that love you. And then take that nice big walk. But Amy, 
you and I have been in a relationship for two years. We've talked about the holidays, how to manage stress during the holidays, how to make better health choices during the holidays and the way that we eat. But how we show up in a relationship during the holidays can be a stressor of its own. And I'd like to spend a few minutes here just talking about some of the transformations that you and I have had in our relationship. And I want to start by saying, without you, I would not have launched this podcast. It would not have happened because I wouldn't have had that introspection to know that what's really going to resonate with people is my story, my truth, and my message, not necessarily how great the technology is, how smart I am, what I have to say. It's like that John F. Kennedy statement where he said, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, you, you have given that to me, but it hasn't been easy. It's been a process of constant learning, right? And I want you to just talk a little bit about your experience of me in this relationship and what habits and practices you've put into place to have this relationship be the success that it is. Wow. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And I am beyond proud of you. And I just know from knowing you and living with you that Your story, your truth, your journey is so inspirational. And as a person who loves the depth and the truth and the vulnerability of just being human, I so have just pushed you to be more and more yourself and not be afraid to not be perfect. And I think that you've really embraced that as well as I've learned to back up and let you have your journey and know that I am not always right. I don't know what's best for you at all. And we just continue to push each other and get honest and, you know, have humiliating moments and humbling talks where we work through things. And I think that ultimately that's been the key to our success. That's why I wanted to be on this podcast today was because you are doing so well and you're interviewing all these great people, but You're so special and unique and your story is just as powerful. And I want people to know you like I know you. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's it's, um, always been a humility thing for me in my life where there was always a fear of me being cocky. But what I resisted persisted. So I've had actual people tell me like, hey, they've experienced me cocky before in my life. And it wasn't until getting cracked wide open like a coconut in our relationship that I realized the very thing that I was pushing away that I didn't want to be, I was attracting towards me. So I would be putting out information and content, but it wasn't being taken and absorbed in the way that my heart wanted it to be. And so my habits for being in our relationship is being vulnerable, even when I don't want to be being open and being present in that moment where it's really, you know, there's a buzzword where it's like all about presence and living in the moment. Living in the moment isn't easy because some of these moments we don't want to be in. (laughs) They're not fun to be in. And then the third thing is leading with my heart and leading with my heart for me is just having the fortitude to stick with that conversation, even when it gets challenging to feel my anger come up, to feel things come up and just actually give myself the permission to feel it. I've mentioned that a ton as men, especially There's not a lot of training out there for men to actually feel what they feel. And so being in this relationship and something we can all apply during the holidays is if you're sad, feel sad. If you're angry, feel angry. Whatever you're feeling, just give yourself the permission to feel it because it's going to be a way shorter pain curve. And you've definitely taught me that in our relationship. And also, I just want to say for me, it has been really learning to honor you and honor that you are different than me and that I am a not always right. And my timing with wanting to talk about things is definitely 
not always right and learning to respect you and that, you know, sometimes you don't want to talk anymore or you get upset and having the awareness enough to know, like, this is not going to help our relationship. So if we need to wait for tomorrow, then I just have to wait for tomorrow. And another huge thing has been like knowing that I don't know everything at all and I am just as much a beginner in this relationship. Being willing to take ownership of that, I think that's been a huge, huge step in the right direction for us of being like, hey, you know what? I said something really mean last night and that was not okay. And I was hurt and it's taken me 24 hours to process it, but I'm really sorry because like that building of resentment was just like killing us for a while there. And why is this so important that we're talking about this? I mean, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast this far, it's been, you know, over 30 minutes and there's something about this relationship element that really dictates how we show up in our own health behaviors. Because let's face it, when you're stressed with your partner, when you're angry at your partner, you make worse health choices than you do when you're by yourself. In a relationship, talk about being triggered, right? Relationships bring out all the pieces of us that we can so easily keep in the dark when we're single. So you've never really grown as much in your life as you've grown when you're in a relationship because there's nowhere to hide. All your BS, all your issues, all your stories, they're going to come out. And I think that the healthiest thing you can do as a man or a woman is actually be in a relationship because then you're going to rip out all the stuff that's inside that could be subconsciously having you make these unhealthy choices in the first place. Absolutely. This has accelerated my uh, growth process quite a bit, (laughs) much further than many, many years of therapy. Well, we talked about, Amy, these trigger action plans, some strategies to actually get these seven tips into practice. You vulnerably shared about our relationship. Thank you so much for doing that. That meant a lot. And then the last thing I want to talk about is how digital health can make all this make sense. Yay! Because... Yes, it's great to have strategy. It's great to have intention. But unless we have some kind of mechanism to quantify how we're showing up, it can be challenging. And I want to start by saying, you know, digital health, yes, it's a powerful tool. It's super exciting. It's the most powerful thing that coaches and trainers have seen in the last 10, 20 years. But behind that digital health is the intention of being more mindful. It's the intention of being more aware. That's what gets me fired up. That's really what gets me excited to work with clients, excited to check the data. But digital health is this, I almost feel magic tool where now finally, one of the things that used to make me so upset when I was a trainer is that there was 165 hours that people weren't training with me. I'd see them two and three hours a week. But the magic of this data is that now I can see how my clients are showing up all day long, seven days a week. And it's a complete picture of how they're actually being in their own lives, their hydration, their nutrition, their sleep, and their steps. But it's interesting because I fought it in the beginning and I didn't think that it was real. I didn't think that it had the power that it has now. Can you talk a little bit about what made you even interested in digital health in the first place? Because I think a lot of women can relate to you especially. Yes, um, I would love to. So what I have found in my journey with my own weight struggle is that I had a hard time committing to exercises and being honest with myself for sure. So I've spent a ton of money in my life on trainers, on programs, boot camps, uh, nutritionists, and kind of not really followed through because then at the end of the day, I'm, you know, it's just me and what I want to admit. So what I thought was so cool about this and what I've watched you so beautifully do with your clients is there's like an extra layer of accountability. And 
with that accountability comes change, I feel like. And the problem is that, you know, sometimes we can kind of be like, oh, yeah, I think I got eight hours of sleep. And I, I think that I definitely, yeah, I made time to walk yesterday. But maybe we're a little bit fudging the truth. And with this year, literally seeing how many steps they're taking, what their heart rate is, how much they're sleeping. So it's like an extra layer of a helpful person, big brother type of situation. And what I think is also so awesome about this digital health technology is the data because you can't argue with the truth, the facts. And I thought that I lived a pretty healthy lifestyle and was at a good weight. And after getting my DEXA scan and getting my allergy tests and all this blood work done, I found out that I have uh, early stages of osteoporosis because of my past years of drug use and abuse. And I had no idea. So I was doing these boot camps thinking that I was totally healthy comes to find out that I need to be doing weight training immediately. And my nutrition choices were not nourishing my body. And thank God for that information because I probably would have lost like 10 or 20 years of my life just continuing on the way that I thought was working for me. So this is awesome because it's specific to each person, specific to each person's needs and the facts. And for anyone that doesn't know, the DEXA scan is actually a radiology machine where it goes in and checks your bone mineral density, your subcutaneous fat, your mesentery fat, everything about how your body is actually showing up, right? How much fat you have, how much muscle you have. So Amy got this test through just some self-discovery process from some self-quantification. But I think what's really powerful about this is you have the test then you have the intervention or the program design, then you have the retest. Mm. And so I'm excited to see coming up here for 2016, what your results are. Cause I'm really, really excited about what I've seen you doing with more weight training. A lot of people that, that want weight loss, a lot of people that want body reduction, body fat reduction. There's this methodology out there of more is more calories in versus calories out. But we know that that's complete BS. Mm. The science literature backs it up. My own life experience working with clients, your experience through the results you've gotten through more just weight training and strength training. It's been mind-blowing. But in order to quantify how we're showing up, we need a system to do that. And that's why we had Matt Gamble on the show last week with Nudge Coach. There's this amazing platform that I'm using with my clients now. And I think what I'm most excited about, what's really going to make Wellness Force grow and make clients have better weight loss stories, make people have more success and essentially give people these lives that they want is this digital health program. So next year on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, interesting because we're in a relationship. We're talking about how we show up in our relationship. I'm launching the program on February 15th. What this program is going to entail is a lot. You're going to get obviously a Wellness Force t-shirt. We're giving a cookbook, a hardcover cookbook that's sent to your house. We're going to give you community access to the application the Wellness Force application on Android or iOS. You're going to get lifetime Facebook group access, a bi-monthly webinar, guides, a hundred different exercise videos that we're recording now. You get access to all those and a lifetime membership to the wellnessforce.com membership site. There's a lot of resources you can download. It is the most powerful thing I've ever put out, but Amy, what's really cool is it's centered around digital health. It's centered around me coaching people, educating people, but having something to stand on that's made from truth instead of just giving people the program, wiping my hands and saying, well, you got all the information you need. Go ahead and succeed. It doesn't work like that because without accountability and not community, no results happen. Talk about what makes it different than most coaching programs, because I think that the cool thing is that it's really specific and the monitoring, and I've definitely overheard you on numerous occasions having really hard conversations with some of the clients and having breakthroughs around that being like 
I'm going to yeah. take a stand for you. Yeah. I mean, what comes up is, is the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't run from the numbers. The numbers are there, whether we love them or whether we hate them. And so when I'm looking at numbers, I can see patterns. And when you see patterns, you can start to see behaviors that occur in the same pattern. So if someone's sleep is off on certain days, if their steps are off on certain days, if their nutrition is off on certain days, or if they're not meditating on certain days, we can have those uncomfortable conversations and find out, hey, maybe I'm fighting with my spouse. Maybe right now for me to actually lose weight, I get to go to therapy around my spouse. Totally. <laughs> maybe, maybe when I'm looking at my sleep every Saturday and every Wednesday, maybe those are the nights that I'm spending too long at work and I'm looking at a screen and I'm, I'm activating the photoreceptors in my eyes and I'm upregulating cortisol so that I, I get poor sleep that night. But without having these uncomfortable conversations about the truth, no change is going to happen. And there's so many things that distract us from life all the responsibilities, all the relationship duties, all the familial duties, everything that pulls us away from us loving and taking care of us, digital health can wrap that up. And with the right coach and the right intention and the right motivation, it can change someone's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell them about the Immersion Day program. I'm making a secret formula for a full day intensive. If you're interested in visiting me in Southern California, I will drive And I will meet you anywhere, LA or South, anywhere in Southern California, East or West. And we're going to have a full day immersion experience where you're going to be with me for 10 hours. We're going to go through a cooking demo. We're going to go to shopping together. We're going to go to the store, pick out all your menus. We're going to give you two workouts. I'm going to take you through a morning workout and an afternoon workout. From your postural assessment, I'll meet with you. We'll have a six month program. So you'll know exactly what to do for six months. I'm going to do a stress reduction audit based on your data, based on you, two meditation sessions. They're going to be guided. We're going to meditate together. We're going to journal together. I'm also going to leave you with a 12 month wellness map. This is going to be a map that you can take for an entire year of success. This includes all the sessions that we're going to coach on together throughout the entire year. It is the ultimate exclusive program that I've never offered before. And I think what's really exciting is that this is actually the program that I did on myself. Yeah. And when I lost my weight, when I went from 280, when I went down to 180, I was going through all these different weight loss changes back and forth. It took me 10 years to figure out what actually works. And so I'm packaging 10 years of knowledge into a day and coaching sessions throughout the year for somebody that's ready to actually shorten their learning curve, shorten their pain curve and get what they deserve, which is the best health and wellness of their life. Yeah. And I think, aren't you offering a money back guarantee if they do everything that you say? Because I think that's pretty freaking awesome. You've definitely (laughs) seen my notes. The money back guarantee is this. I'm so incredibly confident that when you spend an entire day with me in Southern California and you get all the tools and resources and checkups and accountability and community that I'm offering, you will not be able to not lose weight and have the health that you want because we're instituting something completely different with this digital health, with accountability, keyword meaning day-to-day, hour-to-hour accountability of how you're actually showing up so it's based on the truth. That's so true. I just love this. I'm so excited for the world to get to work with you like I have. Well, Josh, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I feel very privileged and just excited to be here and excited for the world to know about what's next for you and to hopefully know you a little bit better. Amy, this is special and I love you. I care about you. And I want to thank you on the show for always pushing me to be the best version of myself I can be. Because I know that with your support and your love, that that vision of empowering 1 million lives through technology is actually going to happen. So thank you. Thank you. That was very sweet. 
Well, that does it for episode 31. Thanks for sticking around till the very end. As always, there's some unique and fun treats that I try to throw at the very end of each show. And this week, a really special treat is giving you a bigger voice on who you want to come on Wellness Force Radio in 2016. I have a special email address. It's info at wellnessforce.com. Ping me. Let me know who you want to come on the show. I read every email and open every message personally. So email me info at wellnessforce.com. Let me know who's making an impact in your community and who you think might be a good fit for the show. Tune in next week for one of the most powerful episodes ever recorded on Wellness Force Radio with the owners of the Hendricks Institute, Gay and Katie Hendricks. I first learned about Gay's work on a documentary I've spoken about on the show before called Finding Joe. And both of the Hendrixes have been on CBS, NBC, and Oprah. To come on Wellness Force Radio, you guys do not want to miss this powerful episode with Gay and Katie Hendricks. So now you get to go and have an amazing day with all the tools and inspiration you got today from Amy and all the other guests on our show. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.